Okay, so I want to start off by acknowledging the range of emotions in the room today. At this point, we are in the thick of the holiday season, and I realize while there's a lot of joy and fun and festivities to be had, there are also a lot of big feelings we probably don't talk about enough. We all know that this season stresses things like joy and abundance and family and loved ones, but there's not always room for the feelings of grief that may feel a little bit stronger or feelings of loss or loneliness or financial stress. These are things that we feel the need to push down more than ever during this time of year. We are a society who is already prone to dualistic thinking to a fault, and this part of the year really shows it. So I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know that there is room here for all of it, for the whole range of feelings that you may be feeling and for the whole range of people that are in this room. And so I want to grant space, and we want to grant space in this community for all that may rise up to the surface this time of year. Personally, for me, Advent has long been my trick for dealing with all the consumerism and all the busyness and all the heavy feelings that come with the hustle and bustle. Christmas could be a total disappointment, or worse, heartbreaking, and it has been many times in my life. But Advent has never, ever, not once failed me. And the joy that I do know and hold dear surrounding Christmas has been hard fought through years of observing and practicing Advent, and I'm so grateful, parents, I'm talking to you, that it is a practice I developed as a child. Because of Advent, I have learned that if you are discouraged, there is always hope. I've learned that if you are in the pits of despair, peace is still somehow a possibility. And if things are great, bonus, rejoice. But mostly I've learned that no matter what, there is always, always love to be had and to be shared. What I'm trying to say is that nothing and nobody can hijack the gifts of Advent. They are found beyond the surface, past all the holiday hustle and bustle, way down deep in the depths, and they are protected by a cover of darkness. So the catch is, they can only be discovered intimately if you are willing to go there yourself, which requires a certain amount of inner work. Now, I often say this, that our collective work, the work of the church, can be summed up as resurrection work. Well, I define resurrection work as the work of making all things new, or simply the work of new life. This is salvation to me, by the way. And this is why the work of new life at its roots is so deeply personal and must begin inside us in this 
Advent-like place where anticipation is planted within us like a seed producing over time the fruits of hope and peace and joy and love. This kind of stuff, these Advent tenets and the laundry list of beautiful things listed in the Isaiah reading from today, these things aren't reserved for perfect people who have it all together and always do the right thing and make the best choices. These fruits are born not outside us, not in some other worldly place, but within us, no matter who we are, absolutely no exceptions. Amidst our own and shame and pain in our secret places, there is Emmanuel, God with us. So, with this in mind, when we receive the truth of the nativity, We are absolutely overwhelmed by the power of it that Christ would be born in the muck of this world, vulnerable in the most humble circumstances, Christ bringing salvation into our world, Christ granting peace to us right where we are as we are, Christ breathing new life into each of our deepest sense of selves, the homes inside us. And every year we try and fathom this, We try and understand it again and again. Could we be ready this time, this Christmas, this year? Is our inner home ready for such wonder? It just might take some preparation. Perhaps turning inward and exploring, clearing out, cleaning up, making room is in order. This is the work of Advent. Speaking of Advent, I must have read our Isaiah text for this week a hundred times over the course of the last seven days, and every time it remained the same for me, I kept coming back to the same part again and again where it says, the root of Jesse will be a signal to the people. This presumed to be dead and done for stump will become the bearer of life. A branch will grow out of its roots. Peace will be birthed. The world will be turned upside down. Does this sound familiar? And so I love this text. I'm drawn to it. I cannot read it without stopping in my tracks and soaking it in as a gift. And it really is a gift because the peaceable kingdom imagined here is not some naive notion disconnected from the realities of the world. And it is so much more than pretty words. This is prophetic hope from a people who are intimately familiar with war and despair and grief and loss of home and identity. And if they could believe that new life could rise up from the ashes, then I am inclined to listen to them. It makes me think of our migrant siblings who are seeking asylum all across our country's southern border. And I especially think about those who uh, many of us personally met in a Wada shelter back in October when we were visiting El Paso. They are there not because they want to be, not because they want to leave their home and everything familiar to them, but they are there because they're practicing their right to seek safety for their children and families. But they have left one place in which they were in constant fear of their lives, only to be continually in risk of robbery, rape, and exploitation. And yet, everything that we heard from these people suggested faith, and even more, a deep hope in God. 
I don't understand that, but it's true. It's what we witnessed. It's what many of us experienced in hearing from these people who are intimately familiar with violence and despair and grief and loss of home and cultural identity. And if they could believe that new life could rise up from the ashes, I am inclined to listen to them. And I think when we listen, we get a crash course in home work. How to do it, why we need to do it, what happens when we do it, and I'll give you a spoiler. What happens is we discover an inner peace that goes with us. And we also become a part of creating collective peace. And what this beautiful poem from Isaiah seems to suggest is that it's possible. It's really possible. And this wildly abundant, enough to go around for everyone kind of peace described in the text is the only kind of peace we ought to aspire to within us and outside us, this kind and nothing less. These are God's standards. So then fast forward hundreds of years later, and you will find John the baptizer still preaching the same kind of standards, preparing the way for the Christ. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And he, he was a prophet because he literally went around telling the truth. He's described in the text as an oddity. He lives out in the wild. He dresses strangely. His diet is a feast of locusts and honey. And yet people listened to him. They were drawn to him. They came out to the desert to him. And not just some people came, but lots of people came. All across the region, in fact, the text says, including the religious leaders. And they weren't just coming to hear him, but they were coming specifically to be baptized, to experience some sort of change. And John's response to all the hype is, if you're going to come here, if you're going to sign up for this way, bear fruit worthy of it. And I think back to that part in our Isaiah reading, your roots shall stand as a signal to the people. And how we can all do a number of outer stuff, which we talk about a lot here because it's really important. We can go, go, go. We can do our jobs well and love our family well and serve our church and our community and our world well. But the spirit fruit comes from tending to our roots our inner sense of homes. This is the origin story of the peaceable kingdom. I think each of us already have a God-given tendency toward this work. I really believe that all of us are on the same unending search for home, whether we are conscious of it or not, whether it's through how we do our jobs or what jobs we do or our relationships or the communities we choose to be a part of or how we spend our money, we are all searching, trying to figure out who we are and where we belong. And we spend a lot of our time jumping to the outer conclusions of these inner questions. And a lot of it's necessary. It's not either or. But I also think our inclination to search for an outer sense of home all the time indicates the kind of inner work we have before us. This is the home work a lot of us need to be thinking about and doing. 
And I just so happen to think it's a great time to think about these kinds of concepts because this is also the work of Advent. It is like shorthand for this mystical, powerful, beauty-filled work of home. Home to me is the place within each of us where spirit has the space it needs to thrive. Home is where spirit work, which inevitably leads to resurrection work, begins. Also that we can come to the conclusion that peace is not only possible, but it is born within us and among us. This is why we make such a big deal about Jesus, right? And specifically about Jesus' birth at Christmas. He is our understanding of this prophecy fulfilled, this poem I've been talking about for the last 15 minutes, fulfilled. He is the spiritual teacher, the leader that we've chosen to follow. Why? Because we believe that he is the embodiment of our end goal, the peaceable kingdom. We believe that Jesus is the one who ushers us into this paradigm. We believe that because of him, this wild notion of equity, this biblical notion, and all sorts of other spirit things can exist for everyone, all of creation. Jesus wasn't born. He didn't live, die, rise, and ascend so that we could get warm and fuzzies at Christmas or on Sundays or whenever. The point was and always has been peace and the work of it. And it is disruptive by nature because of this, because it is an all or nothing peace. If it doesn't look so radical that everyone's getting in on its fullness, then it doesn't count. Our work is not done Opening ourselves up, making room for this truth also makes room for something or perhaps someone to be born. But we have to understand that our inner home work is a part of the blueprint of peace realized. So I'm going to ask some questions that only you know the answer to. Where are the stumps in your life? What is seemingly dead in your inner home? Where do you need hope? What inner work do you have before you? Nobody else can answer it except you. But I will offer some advice. Tend to your roots. Make space for spirit to thrive within you. Dig deep and expect to discover signs of life when you do. So this is my prayer for all of you. May your expectant waiting and preparation during this Advent season yield every blessing, especially peace, and when the time comes, may you receive the truth of the nativity with a renewed sense of wonder and gratitude. Amen. <laughs>